Thanks for joining us for our podcast, In the Kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats, with our Sterling Silver chef, Pete Gagan. Chef Pete brings 30 plus years in culinary experience to Cargill, where he works directly with retail and food service customers. In this podcast, Chef Pete shares insights and perspective to benefit food service professionals, especially chefs. We also want to share with you what's happening in the world of premium beef. This is part two of a two-part episode. If you missed the first episode, be sure to go back and listen to part one. Subscribe now so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Chef Pete. Welcome to the latest episode of In the Kitchen with Sterling Silver. I'm Chef Pete Gagan, and today we're continuing our conversation with Chef Steven Junta, who is here to chat with us about how to wow customers with dishes that use unique beef cuts. Chef Steven is the Director of Culinary for the Cargill Protein Group. And Stephen has been with Cargill for more than 18 years, supervising a team of 10 chefs within the protein group. He is a mentor to so many, and I am lucky to be able to call him a close friend. Welcome, Chef. Thank you. Hey, I got a question for you, Chef. Where do you, like, get that gut inspiration from? What drives that passion for you in the world of culinary arts? I, I really do love that question, Pete. And for me, it's easy to answer because I, I feel like I can learn something from everybody. One tip that I got a long time ago was just to ask questions, have this you know level of curiosity. So I'll use my daughter and some of her friends as an example. They're, they're very enamored with this singing group called BTS. And uh, they're a group of seven young men from South Korea and of course, to uh, you know, be a good dad and to have parties for her friends, we want to try to expand our portfolio of dishes. So I've learned a lot about Korean food and how to cook it and, and just what they like and how they, they like to eat. Uh, the other thing that my main source of inspiration is I just love to grow things. So I have a garden. I'm very blessed to have a huge backyard. And I plant things that are hard to find in uh, grocery stores and just love to preserve and pickle and ferment and all that fun stuff that comes along with gardening. And I've learned quite a bit about that, just the rhythm of the season and an appreciation for the farmer and how, you know, the soil pretty much is everything. Um, If you have great quality soil, you can produce some amazing fruits and vegetables. So it also teaches you patience, which I've heard from time and time again that Something I need to work on is having a little patience. So my daughter would say, Dad, you're picking the sugar snap peas too early. Let them go one more day. And darn it, if she wasn't right, they were sweeter and plumper the next day. So that's my inspiration is, you know, asking questions, learning about people, and also just learning how to grow things. I get inspired when you talk about your garden. It's helping uh, me and the way I think about food. You know, I got younger kids than you do at the moment, and, you know, they take up a lot of time. But it's funny how as they grow, you want to teach them, and you're teaching yourself at the same time. So I agree with you 100% there. What advice would you give about getting that inspiration within your restaurant and your staff? How would you go about doing that? I think that's such a thoughtful question. So first of all, get to know your staff, ask them about their background and how they grew up and what their grandmother cooked. But I love this concept of hot rock cooking. So take a piece of slate and get it into a hot oven and put it on a heat proof tray and bring it to the table. And then you can lay some slices of any one of the cuts that we talked about. But so let's say culotte or strip loin or terrace major thin slices and have the guests cook their own meat right in front of them. The aroma is incredible. It's really kind of a cool way to start 
the meal or the conversation. And what I've found is you're going to have a couple of extroverts on your staff, especially your wait staff, that may jump all over something like this to help people out and say, hey, this is how the chef recommends how you do it. My grandmother tried this spicy salsa with it, or she loved Italian cooking, so she liked grilled porcini mushrooms with it. You're going to get something that's specific to your restaurant and to your staff. And if you involve them in the process where there's this interactive cooking at the table, they're going to light up. Their sense of ownership is going to be amazing. I I think that their engagement is going to go up, and they probably will stay with you longer. Some of these cuts can be carved table side. You can find a waiter uh, or waitress that really has good knife skills, give them, you know, a couple specials on their station and have them carve some meat and plate it in front of people. It just, it's going to be something that they're not going to be able to find that hardly anywhere these days. I love that. And involving the staff, right? I mean, that just comes down to leadership and growing your staff, right? So it's such a great idea. I really love that. Chef Pete, I wanted to ask you a question. Yes, sir. You know, one thing that you're, really good at, and I think you've gotten a lot of recognition at Cargill for doing this, is training. If you could share with us some of your tips for training, and also, how do you know that the message has been received? Ooh, that's a good one. Anytime I want to train or, or educate somebody, it's a passion inside of me that I just feel like I have something to tell that is going to help somebody else out. And, you know, this it, it all depends upon your audience, on how you want to approach it. But let's just say, since we're talking about, you know, restaurants in the back of the house here, getting to know people, getting to know your staff, getting to know what drives them. Maybe it's their culture, right? Or their upbringing, all those things. What's their favorite dish? So you, you learn a little bit about them and then you can tailor the way you train to each personality. Because everybody learns differently. So some hands-on, some you just tell them and they know how to do it. Some can just watch you demo and they know how to do it. So it's constantly thinking about how's the best way to get across to that audience. And then also you want that feedback from them. You know, at the end of the day, did did they understand what you were explaining to them? Are they happy? You know, you, you have to read their faces. It just goes on and on and on. Yeah, you said you have a passion for it and it just comes out in your voice that you just love helping people understand the big picture. You're kind of a big picture guy. Uh, and I think that when you, you know, when you invite people in, when you're a storyteller as a trainer, it's great and it connects people, right? Yeah, you're, they're exactly. going to feel like they're part of the restaurant. They're part of, of the mission. And then they're going to bring that forward to the guests. I just think you can't lose when you invest that time with your staff. Definitely not. Thanks for sharing that, Chef. Oh, yeah, no, thanks for asking that question. It makes a difference. It makes it more of a family in the back of the house there and the front of the house. So some other things that you and I have discussed over the years, um, stealing ideas from other parts of the kitchen. So Mm -hmm. thinking about baking and pastry, right? You look at what the chefs are doing over there. How can you apply some of that or those ideas to actually cooking with steak or other proteins? It's really been fun. Um, So I've been making savory pies, for example. Um, I made one recently that had sort of the Italian um, flavors of caponata in it. So it had pine nuts and raisins and zucchini and marjoram, you know, and and so you have have that flavor as a meat filling and you put it into a beautiful pie and and that's something that you can serve a, a little meat pie there. 
I love these open-faced tarts. So you have a really buttery crust and you maybe make a leek and mushroom and goat cheese tart. Well, then you can take some smaller cuts of beef or some meat that you want to slice thinly and you can slice that and mound that up on top of that tart. So now they're getting a little bit of protein on top of something that's really indulgent underneath. Even going back and modernizing the beef Wellington, where you have, you know, a really killer uh, homemade puff pastry around a cut of beef um, with a mushroom filling or, or any kind of filling that you want, you could make it a global cuisine uh, well, Wellington. I think those things that, that they set you apart, that you're not going to find that in another restaurant. And again, you have to have the talent to do it, but either you as the chef or you train somebody to, to pull some pastry techniques forward, the thought process really opens up the creativity of a chef when you start to steal from the pastry kitchen. I love that idea. Something else to think about too with pastry and, and making a pie dough and all, you can work in some rendered down beef suet into oh. that actual pastry dough. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal. And and vice versa. We've actually played around with making some, uh, you know, apple crisps and berry mm. cobblers and things like that. So that would be your dessert, but also having that beef suet into that dough. So that's tying our kitchen piece into the pastry piece. Love that so, idea. Yeah. One other thing that is, is really important, I think, to overall the eating experience and really wowing somebody is really about textures. For you overall, what's like the best eating experience? So you can look at that within a cut of beef. And let's say you have a really nicely roasted top sirloin and it's a larger piece of beef, but you've done a really good job of roasting it. It's got a crust on the outside and you let it rest beautifully and then you slice into it. So you're gonna have that crust, then you're gonna have some more well-done parts of it. And then in the middle, you might have some medium rare or, or rare parts of it. All of that yields different textures and it, it makes it more interesting. But I love this idea of a silk. So I've taken parsnips and celery root and root vegetables like that, cook them in milk, maybe add a little bit of raw rice to it, 10% rice, and you cook it until the, the root vegetable is really, really tender, and then you puree it in a Vitamix, and you create this something that's very flavorful, it tastes like parsnips, but it's just amazingly smooth and silky. That on its own is gonna be sort of one-dimensional. It's not gonna be the greatest eating experience, but if you put some roasted sliced beef on top of that, and then some really thinly sliced crispy shallots, now you've got all kinds of textures going on. And what it's going to do, it's going to bring people back. They're going to want to eat that plate, you know, and savor it as opposed to eating it and filling themselves up. So you're training people that food can be infinitely interesting with almost opposite textures, silky and crunchy, you know, fatty and lean. Those sort of things really, really play off each other really well. And I wouldn't forget about pickling. So pickles go great uh, with a lot of rich flavors as well. You're so correct about one-dimensional. You can have that great sandwich, but, you know, everything's soft on there, and then you got a really soft roll, and it just doesn't – it tastes okay, but you change up that roll, and you got a nice crusty bread with the soft interior and then some pickled veg or some fresh arugula, things like that that just give you different experiences with that bite. Really, really important. Well, this has been great, Chef, and uh, we got so much – awesome information out of you today. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, but we're going to have to wrap this up. 
And I can't wait to do this again on another topic with you one day. So thank you again, and uh, we will talk soon. Thank you, Chef Pete. You're a great friend and a great chef, and uh, I do miss cooking with you, so let's get it on the books. That sounds like a plan. Thank you, Chef. Thank you. To be sure you get the next episode delivered to your inbox, you can subscribe on our website, sterlingsilvermeats.com. Just sign up for our e-newsletter at the top of the page. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Sterling Silver Premium Meats. Until next time, thanks for listening and take care.